Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the week. Great to see ya. Now, on last night's show, we were talking about get ready for dating, what to think about when dating. Tonight's show, it's going to be a little similar, but actually completely different. So a little bit of a trigger warning. We're going to talk about how to get back into relationships and feel safe again when you've maybe left something like a traumatic abusive relationship. And this is really important. But again, this applies to everyone. So I'm kind of spending this week building in a lot of skills and dropping some gems around what we have to think about so as to get out of our own way, because honestly, that's what I see happening often. And tonight we're going to be focusing again on returning to, um, well, we're trying to rebuild trust in others after having been let down by them. So again, trigger warning, we're going to be, you know, talk, dancing around, talk about trauma a little bit, but really important, important stuff coming out of this. So when I was preparing for this, I thought like, I need to also maybe put this on my social media. I think this is really important stuff. So the first thing I want to remind everyone is, uh, trauma occurs and we want to be aware of when we've just maybe been a part of or left a situation that was traumatic for us. Why? Well, because we want to make sure that we do work with and through that trauma somehow. Uh, trauma unprocessed, undealt with is going to exist in our bodies, in our minds, in our nervous system, in our psyches. And often it's something that we can keep maybe perpetuating in future and current relationships and not really understanding why. Why do these problems keep happening? It's, it's hard sometimes just even taking that step for someone to identify that they were in something abusive. How could I be part of a family system where a brother, a family member, a mother, a father was abusive to me, but taking it more specifically into adult relationships, sometimes it's hard to look back and know that the person who both claimed to love you and maybe at times expressed behavior that felt like love, that they might've also been a perpetrator and that they might've also harmed and abused you. We've talked on other shows about what that looks like, so we're not really going to get into that, but there's two ways that it most uh, prevalently arises, and that's physical abuse. And it's really important to even look at what that means. It's not just, you know, hitting, striking, throwing things at. Physical abuse can also be what we call implied violence. It, it, it truly still is violence. So I don't like the word applied to mean a lesser form because it's not. It's as detrimental and dangerous and traumatic but it's to separate out the directness, even though yet again, it's still direct. It's kind of like when we say things like casual racism or microaggressions. Oh, no, no, no. That's just racism. There's no casual racism. If it's racist, it's racism, you know? So it's still abuse. But point being, striking, phys you know, hitting. But the applied version is when they throw things near you and around you. It might not have been at you, but they're slamming, throwing things around you. That's still part of the, that's part of abuse. And I say that so as to help us identify if we can do that and we might be an abuser, but also those on the receiving end. And then we move into the forms that tend to get normalized and I want to not normalize it. And this is going to really be challenging for a lot of people because it's going to add more people to the label of being in something toxic or maybe abusive. And that is the emotional psychological abuse. If you're in a relationship where you name call or, or, or someone name calls you, calls you names, where they really eat away at your self-esteem and make you feel bad and make you feel small, then you are part of an emotionally or psychologically abusive relationship. You know, the psychological abuse is when someone participates in uh, gossip and things like that. And I think that's hard for people to realize. We think that if they're not, well, number one, I think we've gotten familiar name calling and being called names. 
So we want to make that not familiar. We want to identify, wow, I'm an emotional abuser at times, or I'm in an emotionally abusive relationship. And what do you need to do when that's happening? You need to let your partner know that's abusive and that can't happen again. And if it does, I need to exit this relationship. I'm, I'm serious. How many relationships would end knowing that that's a deal breaker? A lot, and they should. But the psychological abuse is when you're being gossiped about or they're making you feel unsafe when you're not around. They're not, they're not being kind when you're not there and they're maybe spreading lies and they're posting harmful things about you when they're upset at you or you're in a fight or they're talking poorly about you to others. Uh, that's the psychological abuse. And that's why I always say to people, remember how you treat someone shows future people how healthy you are. I would never date someone who has told me or I've seen that when they're upset at their current or prior partner or after breakup, they posted horrible things and said horrible things. You are not safe to be dated. If you do that or you're with someone who's done that, that's a red flag slash a little bit of a deal breaker. So please be aware of that. Like that's been a little too normalized. Um, I, if nothing else from the show, take that away, identifying if you do that or if others do that, because again, I, I think we allow that. I think we see that on television. I, I know I might knock this franchise a lot, but I see that some of these reality shows and like the housewives, I don't watch those shows, but I've seen it on in the background and a lot of really bad behavior gets normalized where it's okay to like hit your male partner. That's physical abuse. Anyone who hits someone is physical abuse. If a girl slaps or hits a man, that is physical abuse. If two gay men are in a relationship and hit each other, physical abuse. Two women, physical abuse. A woman to a man, physical abuse. I know we're getting better at recognizing a man hitting a woman is abusive, but a woman hitting a man, slapping, that is physical abuse. You are the victim of abuse, and we need to not make that okay. And when physical abuse happens, the relationship stops. And emotional and psychological, it should as well. Because other people damage us when that happens. That isn't a lesser form of abuse. We move forward feeling bad about ourselves. We move forward with trauma reactions. We move forward with lower self-esteem. We're going to talk more about this, so stick around. I know it's a heavy topic. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking a little bit about a, uh, you know, triggering topic for some. So I'm just kind of giving a little bit of trigger warning, content warning that we're talking about abusive relationships. This is something though that applies to everyone, whether or not you are currently in a relationship or maybe you've been married for a while, we're still talking about better ways to be a human being and a partner. So please do stick around and really kind of learn something from this. The first thing we were talking about is how, you know, it's hard sometimes to look back and realize you were an abuser or the victim of abuse. Um, both can be very difficult and you are an abuser. If you've ever hit your partner, slapped your partner, whether you or they are a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Two men slapping each other, two women slapping each other, a woman slapping a man, that's physical abuse. 
uh, both in the court of law, but also psychologically. So that should not be something you're a part of or doing. But then emotional abuse is name calling or being called names. That is not acceptable. And you should tell your partner if that happens again, the relationship ends. And you should tell yourself that as well. If I continue to do that, I'm not safe to be in someone's life and I need to remove myself. And then psychological abuse. If they're gossiping and they're talking poorly about you when you're not around, they're creating safe environments, they're they're you know making friends, have issues with you. Those are also things that are abusive and we should get away from. So the first step is processing this, working through this with yourself, with a therapist, but just being able to identify that I've been a part of that, allowing yourself to feel all of those feelings. You know, don't just move into another relationship without having really acknowledged and dealt with these things and put labels on them. What has happened and what could happen, being aware of who we've been and who we can be and also what we might've been a part of. So that's the first thing. Then we have to start to look at our triggers. And we talked about, we had a, we did an entire show on this. We have to be aware of our triggers so as to then be better about dealing with them. When we're upset by something, that shows us where our work is and we need to go inward and start to do that process. When instead we often wanna go outward and make the problem the person, but the problems, the initial problem, if not the total problem, is our reaction. So we have to know what our triggers are and we can learn that by looking backwards and also by just moving forward, identifying when we're really thrown off, when we really lose ourselves, when we really get dysregulated, when we get very upset. You know you're having a trauma response or you're triggered when your response to something is far bigger than what the situation warrants. If someone bums you out or lets you down, that's a three or a four in response and intensity. But if you're responding at a seven, eight or a nine, that is, that is a bad sign. We have to be aware of our sensitivity, our reactivity, and also how long it takes us to get back down to baseline. That's part of the trauma work, is looking at who you are. And oftentimes, maybe it's because we've been the victim of something. It's not, it's not victim blaming or, or blaming yourself by saying, I have to look at how I am now built as a result of my trauma or just as a result of the life I've led. But we have to know what our triggers are. What are the things that, are you, that you struggle with the most while in a relationship with someone of any kind? What feelings are most difficult for you? What situations? You have to be able to track them. If you're not aware of them, you're not going to be aware of processing. You're not going to be aware of when you're maybe moving towards them because you both need to know what they are and then how to manage them. So really, really, really do that work. We don't want to just keep moving through the world unaware of those parts of ourselves because that's how we really do damage to us and to other people. So be aware of those triggers. And like I said, for some people, therapy might be the best place to work on some of this. If you realize I have chronic relational problems, that's a sign of a lot of mental health issues when you're having issues in all of your relationships. Like really look at that. If you're not getting along with friends, family members, people you're dating, you're the common thread and you really want to kind of step away from all that and maybe get into some therapy and look at what, why am I constantly recreating these issues or why am I not able to pull off any relationships? So if you struggle to keep friends or healthy friends, get into some therapy. If you struggle to stay in relationships or to be healthy in relationships, get into therapy. If all your friendships and relationships are about you always fighting and screaming, get into some therapy. You want to learn how to identify what the problem problems are and how to work on those. We don't want to be making our lives and other people's lives harder when we're dating. And if your relationship has a lot of volatility and there's always an issue and you're always fighting, you're not a match. You're not one of you or both of you aren't healthy enough to either be with the other or to be dating at all. Step outside because relationships take work, but not that much work. Ready for this one? You should theoretically be able to go weeks without having fights. Conflict can come up, but they shouldn't be fights. Conflict means, wow, that was really disappointing. You let me down. And then you share and you process and you move on. But if there's always an issue and everything's always a fight and each of you or one of you feel like you're walking on eggshells or you're moving into, like we said earlier, the abuse, name calling, throwing things, attacking, we've got a bigger problem. Because again, we can learn about our mental health by looking at the impact we have on others. I am obsessed with this example and I'm probably gonna use it almost once a show. The skills of a driver are shown by the comfort of the passenger in the car with them. That's how you assess your skills. The pilot of the airplane, his skills in flying are assessed by the comfort of the passengers. What was it like to be on his flight? Well, same thing in a relationship. Our skills in our, of mental health and as a partner are demonstrated by how our partner feels while with us, how our partner feels as a result of being with us and having us brought in their life. So either literally ask or symbolically ask yourself, what would my partner say it's like to be with me? And those answers 
help you really look at where your work is and if you should be dating right now at all, or at least dating that person. Like I've said before, just because you're attracted to someone, just because you want to be with them doesn't mean you are compatible psychologically or like your nervous systems are because maybe sometimes we're too sensitive and too reactive and we have to work on quieting that down. Some people come into my office already in a relationship and they shouldn't be and they want to work on the relationship and unfortunately, it's going to take more work than they can manage and in the length of time it's going to take, they're going to be really toxic and tanking each other's mental health health and the relationship should be on paused or dissolved as they each work on themselves. And that's a really hard thing to hear, but it's unacceptable to say, I have a lot of work to do and I want to make your life miserable and my life harder as I'm doing that work. That's not love and care. And that's not being an adult. It's better to say, we should put this on pause, maybe come back to this or let's dissolve this and let's go work on ourselves and then try again with someone else. That's being a mature adult. You know, all right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and keep talking about this. And then we're going to slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. All the good stuff is there. But stick around. We're going to come back to this. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking tonight, not about getting back in the dating game. We were talking about that earlier, uh, but we're talking about how to really heal and be a better person in relationships for self and other uh, after having been in things that are abusive or toxic. And that's a, that's a very different scenario. And that's a scenario that we all can learn a lot from. This is an important topic because our mental health is impacted by all the people who are in different relationships and how healthy those relationships are and how we treat each other and impact each other. So take this topic very seriously. So, so far we were talking about a lot, a lot of really meaty, meaty stuff. First one was, Really honestly and courageously assessing, have you been in something abusive and have you been an abuser? And honestly acknowledging that physical abuse, emotional abuse, and psychological abuse, hitting, throwing things, slamming things, name calling, gossiping, talking poorly about, those are all forms of abuse and no one should have to deal with that or suffer that period. And we tend to think physical abuse is worse. Well, so is the emotional and psychological. Why? Because it tends to go on more and we tend to normalize it. And people think that that's acceptable and they allow it. They allow it from themselves and they allow it from others. We're not doing that anymore. We're calling that out and saying that's abuse and it doesn't matter what the form is. That's abuse and that's not what we should be doing to each other and that is not why we get into relationships of any kind. I don't care if it's your coworker, your boss, your mom, your ex, your husband, your child. It is not acceptable. No one is let off the hook and given permission to be toxic or abusive. No one. It doesn't matter. We have a right to set boundaries. And that's the next one. But before we get to that, I just want to circle back and say earlier, we also talked about knowing what our triggers are. So all healthy people know what their trigger points are so that they see it when it's coming. They can avoid it. Or if they have to walk into it, they know how to deal with it. And when we're in a loving, healthy relationship, our partners are not responsible for our triggers. They don't need to stop doing what they're doing so we're not triggered. Those triggers are for us. But it is important for us to learn about our partner's triggers because we can maybe help water it down, help them through it, or yes, yeah, sometimes help them avoid it, but it is still their work. But now we're talking about boundaries. What? Yeah, how are your boundaries? There's different ways to look at it. There are boundaries that are too solid, meaning we have no flexibility. There are boundaries that are too flexible, meaning we let people knock them down. We also have two boundaries, one that protects others from us and one that protects us from others. And that's really important to think about. We have to protect other people from us. People that just let it rip and let it loose are, that's a, that's a form of abuse, being boundaryless and just saying what's on your mind saying whatever comes to mind, saying things when you're angry and hurting people, that's you having bad boundaries. And that means you're not safe to be around. You don't wanna be like that dog where you never know when it's gonna bite and so everyone's afraid to be around it because even though it's smiling and playing, it looks cute right now, we know that at any moment it's gonna snap and bite. That's not a safe dog to have around or bring, bring around. Don't be that person. Um, and the sooner we set boundaries, the better, because when we start setting boundaries, we learn about the other person's boundaries, meaning we don't, we can't really learn someone's boundaries until we've set some with them. And when we start to set them, we look at how people respond to them and we learn about their health, right? So we know we're really setting boundaries with people when we frustrate and disappoint them. And that's something I tell clients who I'm working with on setting boundaries and being more assertive. Practice disappointing and frustrating people by telling them no or letting them down or whatever it is. 
AKA often setting a boundary, I'm going to be running late, or I'm sorry, I can't follow through and do that, even though I committed to that, or I'm sorry, I actually don't like that. Please don't do that again. When we start to do those things, AKA, like I said, frustrate, disappoint people, their response tells us how healthy they are. Do they say, that's a bummer. I'm sorry to hear that, but I understand. Do they say, thank you for telling me that? Do they say, thank you for taking care of yourself? Or do they fight, shame, and push on our boundaries? Because if they do, walk away, <laughs> start backing away, realizing, wow, this person is someone who doesn't honor boundaries. I won't be able to set them with them. They probably don't have good ones themselves, but start soon. Yeah, it's really, it helps. Um, that also happens on early dates when people might ask questions around things we're not comfortable or willing to answer. Do they honor that or do they keep pushing for an answer? Early on dates, people might say things like, how many relationships have you had? Or, you know, um, why don't you drink? Or how many people have you had sex with? And you're allowed to say, I'm not comfortable answering that. Or I don't feel ready for that. And their response should just be, got it. And anything short of that is a red flag. That's a problem. And that kind of moves us into that topic. This is something that if nothing else, this falls under, if nothing else, learn this from the show. There is a difference between red flags and deal breakers. And I think one of the bigger issues that people get messed up around is not understanding or able to differentiate the two. And they are diametrically different. And we need to, we need to understand the difference because I think when we don't know the difference, we stay too long or we leave too soon or we give people a chance when we shouldn't or we don't give them a chance when we should because these things are very confusing and fluid. And yes, they will change at different times. They will change with different people, but we need to be able to conceptualize at least in some way what they could look like. So we're going to take a little break and we're going to do the DMs and then we're going to come back and talk about what I think is probably one of the most important parts of this topic is difference between red flags and deal breakers, because that's, these are, that's like a game changer. If nothing else, this will like change your entire relationship. The ones you have now are the ones you might have. So we'll be doing the DMs next. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, topics you want covered, stick around. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And guess what? We are going to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Drop them in there for us, kids. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm noticing that I really have less energy for a lot of things lately. Wow, join the club. Join the club. Feels like leaving the house is hard. Been ordering food in more and more, not responding to my friends. But then I feel left out when I see them on social media without me. I don't really know if it's depression, anxiety, but it's feeling strong. You gotta, you gotta see a mental health professional. When, when someone talks about possibly dealing with incapacitating uh, anxiety or depression and they're not leaving the house and they're not getting activities of daily living done and they're isolating, the answer is you gotta go to therapy. You gotta reach out to a mental health professional and figure out what's going on. Maybe you need medication, maybe you need more something supportive. I don't know, but I don't wanna just give you some like quick tips and tricks to get out of that because we're going to be anxious and depressed and we need to learn how to manage it better. And if you're, if it's making you feel unsafe or you're isolating, then it's not getting managed well. So the issue isn't, we need to get rid of it. That's bad. That shouldn't happen. We are going to be depressed and anxious, but I don't know if it's beyond what's workable on your own. So I'm going to say to you, please go seek a mental health professional. I hate making that just my big answer, but often that is the answer. Not everything can I just give you quick thoughts about. Having said that, I'm going to expand outside of that. For those that are still feeling a little functional, sometimes we just need to allow. You know, there is a lot of things going on in the world. I often have those days or those weeks or those months, and I just allow it. Don't make it worse by saying, I don't feel great, and I should also not be feeling this way. Well, I don't know where you got the idea that you should never feel that way, because you should. It's going to happen sometimes. So we need to soften into it. Is there anything that's communicating to us? Are there changes that need to be made? Are you living a life that's not full of purpose and meaning? Is, is it communicating to you, create more moments of joy in your life? So first sit with it and, and talk to it. What is it trying to tell me? The work isn't let me get rid of it. The work is let me go into it. Let me go into it and find out more about it. Let me find out what it's telling me, what it's communicating, what, what areas of my life need attention or less attention work with it. But for some of us, if it's again, making us not able to do our activities of daily living, well, then we need to work with a mental health professional, maybe get on some, you know, supportive medication. Um, having said that, I also recognize that we're all part of a larger system where there's a lot going on. I was just watching the court trials 
recently. I was also watching these horrible 2020 episodes on this horrible parents that were chaining up their 13 children and starving them. Like, oh my God, I walked around depressed and anxious for days after that. I'm constantly reminded of the horrible things we'll do to each other. It's a very understandable response. But I also realized I needed to take time away from the news and social media because I was constantly bringing these things into my day and it was working against me. So I said, what is this depression and anxiety telling me? And what it told me is I'm too immersed in these things that are going on. I need a little space from them. It also told me I need to carve out a little more joy. So I planned a date night and me and my boo uh, went went out for the day and the night and I kind of get out of myself. So maybe you do need to try to create space and time for friends. Sometimes the problem is we need to push ourselves into our discomfort and connect with people anyway. Sometimes the answer is we need to let that depression be a companion on our journey and go to the gym or go to the supermarket or whatever we normally do anyway. We don't have to like feed it or lean into it. Sometimes we explore it during times when we have access to that and other times we kind of just let it be with us. So I'll throw that out there. But again, I want to recognize that there's a lot going on in the world where it's very reasonable that some people are struggling and feeling the ways they're feeling. And the problem is systems and what's going on in the world. And you can't just sit home and fix that. So maybe you need to also get involved in some larger level activism and be a part of making that change so as to not feel so victimized by it. That's also an answer. Some people, they need to build community and they need to step out into action to feel like they're actively dismantling the systems that they're harmed by and on the receiving end of. There's something really powerful in that. We don't talk enough about that in therapy. Oh, you're dealing with fat phobia. Let's go out and fight it. Oh, you know, you're experiencing a lot of racism. Let's go out and, and hope to help to dismantle that. Although having said that, I don't want to victim blame. White supremacy is an issue of white people and white people should be out there dismantling that. So I do need to point that out. That was a bad example. But to get my point, we need community and we need to sometimes step into actively dismantling the, the systems and institutions that harm us. Um, and just focusing more on pleasure and joy and rest. Sometimes you just need to take a couple of days and sleep a lot, eat some really delicious, yummy foods, um, and just center pleasure to kind of restore ourselves, anchor ourselves. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. Stick around. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking about what I think is one of the more important parts of dating, the difference between red flags and deal breakers. More people need to talk about this. So here's the difference. Deal breakers are, are what it sounds like, deal breakers. They are things that are, it doesn't matter what, why, when, wow, how, who, but not happening. It ends now or it never even begins. That is abuse of any kind. The relationship, the relationship does not begin or the relationship just ended because you hit me, you name called, you threw something at me, you talked poorly about me behind my back, you were gossiping. All these things are emotional abuse, psychological abuse, and physical abuse. We do not deal with or allow any of that. And if we are doing that, then the relationship ends because we realize we are not healthy enough or safe enough to be in someone's life. We have to be aware of our behavior. Even if the person's like, it's fine. I know you didn't mean it to call me that name. It's like, well, it is not fine. And I can't allow myself to treat you like that. And I'm going to go do some work on myself or I have to pull myself out of this. That is what y'all should be doing. Being aware of yourself. Okay. Having said that, deal breakers are abuse of any kind, undealt with addiction or mental health issues. That's right. We don't stay in relationships with people or get into the people who are like, clearly have a full-blown drug or alcohol you know, relational issue, but aren't willing to work on it. That means that person isn't even present to themselves. They will not be able to be present to you to be a partner. There's nothing wrong with saying we need to take a break or put a pause on this relationship so you can work on that to heal. Same thing with undealt with mental health issues. People sh that struggle should be in therapy or working on it in some way. And it's appropriate to say, if you're not, then you are not available to yourself or to me or to be a partner. And so we put this on pause or we need to walk away from this. Those are the main deal breakers. Now, red flags, this is going to let some of you down and frustrate you because you're not necessarily going to like this answer. Red flags are things that are annoying, disappointing, frustrating, or things we need to get more information around. Red flags are things that you need to be aware of. Like, oh, I saw that. I heard that. I'm going to track it. I'm going to get more information. I'm going to give it more time. Deal breakers are deal breakers. Red flags are not deal breakers. So the way someone eats, the way they chew, how they dress, those might be red flags. That's annoying, it's frustrating. And a lot of red flags, you gotta learn how to just deal with. Because otherwise you're saying, I want perfect. I wanna never be frustrated. I wanna never be disappointed. I wanna be never let down. No, you're gonna be. It's called being an adult. So some red flags are things you just gotta learn how to deal with. 
And a lot of them are things where maybe just got to get a little more information. I, I got to check in on their drinking. I got to find out a little bit more about their mental health. I can't really get a read yet. It's not a deal breaker, but it might become one. But some deal breakers are just annoyances and frustrations. So it's almost three categories. There's a difference between something that's annoying, something that's a red flag, and something that's a deal breaker. The way someone dresses or chews, that's just annoying. Grow up. People are going to annoy you. You got to, we got to learn how to deal with that. We can't kick everyone out of our lives because they're annoying. You're going to spend a lot of time alone because that's part of being in the world. Otherwise, you are looking for perfect and perfect doesn't exist. So we have to be willing to stick around. I hear some people get annoyed or disappointed or frustrated by certain things and they consider them deal breakers. Ah, uh, they're under certain height deal breakers. Ah, uh, no, that's just disappointing and you need to grow up and deal with that. Or like I said, all these other examples. Those aren't deal breakers. Those aren't even necessarily red flags. We have to learn the difference. People are ending relationships or not starting them sometimes because of the smallest infractions. Oh, you're not outdoorsy? Then it'll never work. I'm sorry, what? What does that even mean, outdoorsy? We all are outdoorsy. I mean, I'm not, but I still exit the house. I still go to parks. I still go to the beach. I still go hiking sometimes. So like, go find out. Remember, I keep saying, when in doubt, go find out. When in doubt, ask them out. See what that really looks like. We can't We can't sit at home like an interview or just assessing things on paper. It's the worst thing to do. I want people to stop asking so many questions about the relationship and just go be in it to see. Stop asking all these questions. I want us to stop spending so much time talking to the same people on the apps and on our phone. Meet with them as soon as possible to assess the energy, the chemistry, the compatibility. Get off your damn phone. Be assertive and ask them out. Hey, it's been great chatting on the app. Let's go out. Are you free tonight? What? Right away. Yeah. Hey, you seem cool. You're free tonight. You're free tomorrow. Get out there. Stop spinning your wheels. The more time we spend just chatting online, we're forming a relationship based on fantasy projection and a false reality. Go see them in real time. At least get on FaceTime which by the way, I always say, get on FaceTime before you go meet them in the world. Get a little more familiar. It'll drop some of that anxiety. It might even make you realize I don't need to go see them. It was horrible sitting with them on FaceTime. You learn a lot about compatibility, but when in doubt, go out. When in doubt, take them out. That's, that's huge. And then also, let's just talk about the fact that you got to do some work on yourself. What does that mean? Well, it means you have to like what it is you're bringing on a date. You have to like what it is you're trying to offer someone. You have to like what it is that you're presenting to someone. If you don't like yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to feel confident and to, and to bring yourself totally and fully to someone. No, we don't have to like ourselves first before other people like us. That's not true. Sometimes the most healing thing is to be shown our worth and value by others. We can allow that, but we still have to have some general level of appreciation for ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to hold ourselves back. We're going to shut ourselves down. We're going to shrink ourselves down and we're not going to be able to bring a true self forward. Cause remember dating is about being known, not being liked. It's about being our true honest selves to really see if we're compatible. We don't sell a dream. We don't bring a false self and then build a relationship on that. And then we act surprised when it doesn't work because we're both performing likability. That's a mess. Don't be that person. It's successful to find out we're not compatible because we're both for our honest selves. You know what I mean? Like that's not failure. The success of a relationship is not based on the length of time it exists. Divorces aren't failures. They went as far as they were meant to go. All right, cool. So let's leave lovingly. That's what that's about. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Listen to love. Uh, listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. We're talking about getting back into dating after abusive relationships and tracking abuse. And I want to circle back to a point I made right before we closed out for a break, which is the length of time of a relationship does not determine its success or its worth or its value. And we're obsessed with that. If it wasn't forever, well, then it wasn't good or we failed. No, not every relationship could be or is meant to be forever. Stop thinking in terms of time. The success or health of a relationship was based on what kind of person or partner you were. That's it, period. So look back at it. I was a horrible human being. I brought my worst. Well, then yes, it was a failure. It didn't go on that long, but I brought my best. I tried my best. Well, then great. That was a success. So when someone says we got divorced, I'm like, okay, because that isn't good or bad. Staying together isn't good or bad. Some people that are together, please don't think that that's successful because there may be a nightmare and they're toxic for each other and they're hanging in there anyway and they're pulling each other down. No. So again, when someone says we're, we've been together for 30 years, I go, okay. When they say we got divorced, I say, okay, because it's good and bad. And then I just say, well, what kind of partner are you being or what kind of partner were you? And that answer is what I go, oh, not successful. Or I go, oh, very successful. Dating's that way as well. Were you a good person on those dates? Great. 
sorry it didn't go further, but that's life, you know? Just like someone's like, we've been married for 30 years. I'm like, well, you a good partner? Well, no, I'm hard to live with. And I go, wow, that's a failure then. Yikes, sorry to have, to have 30 years of that crap. So let's be better. Let's think about these things. Um, all right, we're gonna switch gears literally mid-segment because I wanted to talk about something I was posting. The APA, and I love them for this, they put out an, a really important article saying that a lot of us should be taking mental health leaves right now. They were talking about we shouldn't be trading our mental health for a paycheck. And I appreciate the privilege of people being able to really lean into this topic, but it doesn't take any energy or meaning out of the topic, even for those that couldn't ever do this. It's still something we have to assess and look at. If your job is creating mental health issues and it's always keeping you stressed and anxious, then you have a dangerous job. You have a job that's bad for your mental health. And the American Psychological Association is finally taking a strong stance saying, please take a leave of absence. Please take a leave of absence, which everyone has a right to for their mental health. It's protected so that you can assess, is it my job that's bad for my mental health and I need to leave? Are there things I can go back and request from my boss or my company to make it better for my mental health? Or is it maybe something else and it's not the job? But your mental health matters more than anything else. And so I don't want us to say, oh, well, that's what jobs are like. Well, no, actually they're not. Your job doesn't need to be bad for your mental health. A lot of them are, but it doesn't need to be. And it might mean you leave or make less or you have to take something you didn't want to. But if it's better for your mental health, well, then it's a win. You know, and I've worked with a lot of people that were took these courageous steps of leaving things that weren't that weren't healthy for them professionally, and I'm proud of them. That's that's really being your best. And I know it's a hard topic. Um, it triggers a lot of people, especially companies and employers. But no one's mental health should tank as a result of a job. Most of us don't even like our jobs or want a job, but we have to, to participate in the system to pay our bills. That's why I laugh at those memes when it's a job interview. And they're like, and the interviewer's like, "Why do you want the job?" And the person's like, "Because I have bills." <laughs> no one, no one really wants a job, or a lot of people don't. I love, I love my jobs. Um, not everyone's blessed to be able to be a part of different things that are meaningful for them and they get to use their signature strengths and they feel good about what they're doing. So I realize the privilege in that and I'm blessed for that. I love everything I do. But there's a lot of people that don't and I don't want that to just be something we have to accept. Maybe we need to take some risks and step outside or find something new. Um, but sometimes we need to take a leave of absence and I've helped a lot of patients take leaves of absences from their companies, which they have a legal right to do. And to really focus on themselves and to see what they need to do. Because again, if your job negatively impacts your mental health, then your job's dangerous. And if every Sunday night you're anxious for the week, that's not a good sign. You shouldn't have to go through that. So what does make a job healthier where, well, the first thing is it doesn't negatively impact your mental health. <laughs> Let's just start there. But we really have to assess honestly, is it the job? Is it me and the way I'm showing up and doing the job? Or maybe it's something else. Is it that I don't have enough support in at home? Is it that I have life stressors that I'm not managing well and they're not letting me enjoy my job or get through my job? Um, is it maybe a problematic relationship with drugs or alcohol? Is it because I'm not resting and utilizing my free time and downtime optimally? So really assess that. It's very easy sometimes to scapegoat a partner or, or parenting or your job as the problem when could be better if you placed it better in your life or you showed up to it differently. Because sometimes it's just about showing up to our job differently. Maybe you're working too hard. Maybe you need to give 60 or 70%. Maybe you need to give less. Maybe you're giving too much. But that applies to anything in our life. Also, make sure your job or try to find a job that utilizes what I said earlier is your signature strengths. That is the parts of ourselves, the skills, and the parts of ourselves that we enjoy using and value the most. If you love numbers, something artistic isn't going to feel good. If you are artistic, working with numbers isn't going to do that. Try to see if you can step into that. Talk to your employer HR about maybe laterally changing positions or roles or talking to your boss about taking something different on or letting go of something. Sometimes it's just those small tweaks of, of being vulnerable and asserting yourself and having those conversations. We're talking differently at home or looking for those things. Um, also, what makes a job healthier is having jobs where we leave feeling appreciated and feeling like what we did matters. It's very toxic to be in systems where it feels like no one cares, it doesn't even matter. That's heartbreaking. And then finally, take more from the job than the job takes from you. You know, find something really meaningful and valuable that you walk away with so it just doesn't feel depleting. That's a very radical statement, but I think that's very reasonable. Anything we're a part of, we should be able to benefit from. And if you're not benefiting from it in any way and you're not taking away anything meaningful and you're losing more than you're gaining and more is being taken than you're walking away with, well, then that's not healthy for you. And 
this is a mental health show. Mental health matters. I prioritize mental health over physical health. You know, we wouldn't be a part of jobs that were physically dangerous. Well, we shouldn't be around ones that are mentally dangerous. And, and there's ways to make that better for us. Self-care, you know, but not all, but self-care can always replace a toxic system. Sometimes the problem is the system itself. We have to be able to look at that and talk about that. And that's why we use burnout sometimes, and that's not the right word, because burnout is often about you and what you're doing, and sometimes the problem is the system that you're a part of. And so it's not that you're burnout, it's that you're being exploited, and you have to look at changing and reorienting that. So just take care of yourselves. You know, Maybe focus on some of this over the holidays, time off, like what parts of my life can I change? How can I show up to my job differently? All right, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back. And I know we did a little bit quick of a U-turn. We were talking about abuse and dating. And then we were like, er, let's talk about mental health and careers. Er, we're kind of pulling the car over again. I bring all these topics up because I care about y'all. Seriously, when I'm choosing topics for the show, I'm always saying, what's going to be interesting? What's going to be dynamic? Are there things in there that people can walk away being entertained, but also learning? And also, like, I, there's certain things I want y'all to be able to think about and consider because I, I care. Like, that's probably one of the most co- the the core ethic of my mission statement and why I do media is to be able to give out important information to help people make their lives better. So, if anything I ever bring up is upsetting or triggering or frustrates you, sit with why that's triggering for you. Because again, if you're upset about something or triggered by something, it it, it says everything about you and shows where your work is. Maybe it's truer than we want to realize, or maybe it forces us to have to, have to make a change. We don't want to step into that or brings up a harsh reality of certain systems that we're a part of or institutions or whatever it is. Really sit with that and say, why is this upsetting or triggering for me? What do I need to learn in this? You know, where's my work in this? Because it can't just be about shutting down triggers. It's about us learning what it's trying to tell us and resolving that. Um, So we're just going to wrap up with some more dating stuff and then we're going to close out with some DMs. I think this stuff is uberly important. I'm a relationalist. Everything's about relationship. Um, oh, we were talking about some really important stuff. I, I keep saying more than anything else, um, it's really about time in the world. And so this is what I want everyone to tell themselves. If you're single, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're in a relationship, I want you to ask yourself where your edges are. What it, where's the wall or the limit around what you're willing to do? And how can we push that? Because whether you've been married for 40 years, whether you've been newly dating someone for a few months, or you're single unhappily, or you're single happily, you still wanna learn to push on our edges. And that's where relationships can really reflect back where that work is. What we're willing to do, what we're not willing to do, our level of comfort. We all have what we call the window of tolerance. Some people's window of tolerance is wider. Some people's window of tolerance is far shorter. And the key is to always be pushing it, to expand it. And the window of tolerance means all the things, people, places, feelings, situations, thoughts that we can handle and manage on our own. But there's a limit. And maybe the limit and the bar is real high and you can handle a lot and cope with a lot. Or it's real small and you are very easily thrown off. We're always trying to expand that. And the thing that really reorganizes us the most and the thing that creates the most neuroplasticity, which means the shifts and changes that are possible in our brain at all ages, our brain never stops growing and changing. We used to think it did, is a little bit of stress and anxiety, tolerable anxiety, you know, productive anxiety. We have to be made a little uncomfortable. So that's why when I work with clients and we maybe work on some goals between sessions, if they say, yeah, sounds great, I got that. I say, well, then we need to we need to make it a little harder. I want you to say to me, okay, that's doable, but it makes me a little anxious. That's how I know change is gonna happen. That's how I know skills are gonna be internalized. So we have to ask ourselves that. And the relationships we're in help us understand that. What are you not willing to do when you're trying to date? You have to, but you have to make that turn into willingness. If you say, I'm not willing to start the conversation off, or I'm not willing to ask them out, they have to ask me out. That means that you going up against your anxiety of dealing with asking someone out and being assertive is beyond what you're capable of doing. It's outside your window of tolerance, and that's not a good thing. We want to have a wide range of abilities and skill sets because then we can truly choose. But if there's something you can't do because you can't handle it or tolerate it, well, then it's not choice. You are not choosing to not do that thing. You're not able. I want you to be able and to say, I just don't necessarily enjoy doing that. I want you to have the ability because again, being healthy in any relationship as a husband, a wife, a parent, whatever it is, means 
adaptability and flexibility and being made uncomfortable at times. So when someone writes in a DM and says something like, I don't, ha- I don't hit on people, I'm not comfortable asking people out, then that's where your work is. How can we work on getting you to a place where you're willing to do that? I don't care about your gender. I don't care about any other factors. This is something we all have to take responsibility for is within any relationship, learning how to be more flexible, more adaptive, learn how to do more, learn how to push on our edges, learn how to expand our window of what's tolerable. And we do that by stepping into that which is uncomfortable for us. So all the things you're not willing to do, all the things you want someone else to do, that is where your work is. That is what you need to learn how to step into, pushing on those edges. And then you can lean back and decide from a place of comfort what's meaningful to you and what's not. The work is endless. I appreciate that. And that's why I keep saying relationships should be full of fun and joy so that it's not just labor. There's a beautiful book written around that. That our whole lives are work, 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 work. Everything takes work. And when are we off the clock? We're literally off the clock sometimes with work or not because you might have a boss that's emailing you and texting you on the weekends and around the clock. And that's actually kind of abusive and poorly boundaried. But even when we are off the clock, we don't, we don't feel like we're off the clock with our family or our friends or our partner because then we come home, we have that level of work to do. But that's why there should be some joy and, and, and fun in all of that. Because we don't take these things on just for more work. If dating in your relationship is nothing but depletion and exhaustion and it's just more work, please exit it. Please either renew it by sitting down and making committed changes or please release it because we don't need more work on our, on our plate. We've got enough. Life is hard enough. All right, we're going to take a break and come back and do some DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics you want covered, things you want us to drop deeper into. We love hearing from y'all. So put that stuff in there. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be as well. So as you help yourself, you help other people. And what do we like about that? Well, we all win. And past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, binge, post, share, we listen. Stick around though. We'll be right back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alyssa, and I'm 35. I feel like I'm dating. Wait, I feel like dating at this age is impossible. Ah, well, you should listen to uh, this week's show. I've been talking a lot about this. Either the people I meet are already divorced with kids. Okay, and? Wait, stop there. I don't, I don't know. What, why is that a deal breaker? They've been divorced and they have kids. Okay. So they've lived a life prior to meeting you. Like not to be hard on you, but should they have stayed single and not have ever had kids because maybe one day they'll meet Alyssa and she won't like that? No, people's lives are in motion when you meet them. They might've already been in jail. They might've already had kids. They might be in recovery and not drinking anymore. And you're going to miss out on boozing it up on the weekends. Like, okay, welcome to the world. There's nothing wrong with dating someone who has kids. Kids can be an asset. They can bring a lot of joy and fun into the world. Like I, so I don't, I don't agree with your framework already. You're starting to do what a lot of people do and you're getting in your own way. So let me point that out. You're getting in your own way. You're, you're, you're writing people off based on structural things. No one with kids, no one under six feet. That's not real. That's your ego. You don't, there are tons of people that are divorced with kids who might be amazing human beings. They're, they're not the all, they're not all the same. You're, you're taking a wide range of different kinds of people and collapsing them down into some stereotype and a stereotype that isn't positive in your mind. So you need to grow up and grow out of that. That's not a real thing. That's like saying, yeah, I'm not meeting people because some people already have a car. Like what? Because some people have already had sex with other people before. Okay. Like, so they've been in a relationship before. That's what being divorced means. We've all, most of us have been in prior relationships. Whether they got divorced or not, that doesn't mean anything. What does it mean that they chose marriage and it didn't go well? Or it wasn't meant to go on forever? Why is that? Why are people punished for that? Why are we punishing people for having been married? Everyone's been in a prior relationship. That's all I hear when someone's been married and divorced. So they've been with someone before. Great. And that one happened to be a marriage. I don't understand the meaning you're making. That doesn't mean they're broken or undateable, but you're saying that that's offensive and that's not real. So you're getting in your own way. 
And then you're also saying they have time consuming jobs. Okay, because maybe they're single and so they're putting themselves into their work. And maybe if you gave them a chance and got out of your own way and started stopped making problems out of things that aren't, they might carve out more time for you when you've earned that. But yeah, if you meet someone, they're in their lives without you as it is, but it'll change when you're brought in. You're getting in your own way. And then you said, and I'm kind of looking for someone to just date and spend time with. Okay, well, all the people you're writing off because they've been divorced or had kids or they have busy jobs are people that you could date or spend time with, but you're making the decision for them that they're not available to you. And that's not a real construct. You're punishing people for having lives that have already been in motion and have already experienced and done things. Like you, you have to grow up. That is, you're in your own way. Do you all hear that and understand that? So here's your question. At what age is it not okay to keep dating? I, I don't even know how to answer that. That doesn't make any sense. There's no age at which you can be sure that there's no one great out there anymore. There's no age at which you can be sure that you can't meet someone. There could be someone who will be joining an app you're on next week. There could be someone who'd be newly single a month from now and they could be perfect for you, but they're just not available yet. It's a numbers game and a time game. And it doesn't sound like you're mature enough to be a part of it. Like these aren't good things you're saying. Like I'm actually really worried about you because you're getting in your own way. There's, what do you mean, what magical age? I don't, that doesn't make any sense. At any age, when you find love, you'll be glad you found it. Even if you don't find love till you're 90, well, let, let your 90s be a time of fun and joy. I say that about careers. It's never too late to change your career because whatever time you have left on this planet, let it be spent doing something that's meaningful to you. This problem, that your question is the problem. Your thinking is the problem. Let me say it that way. Your perspectives and your thinking is the problem because you're a little too assured of what who these people are and what's possible. And as I keep saying, you need to let go, lighten up, loosen up, stop being so driven by your anxiety, and then you'll actually meet someone. My concern is you're not healthy enough to be someone's partner because of your thinking. I'm worried that you also believe in gender roles. Men should do this, women should do that. Someone who's a husband would never do that. Like none of that stuff is real. Oh my God, you guys, we have a lot of work to do. That's why we do this show though. All right, y'all, that is our show. Thanks for hanging out with me. We got more though. Go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, binge, post, share, re-listen. Please, y'all, go back and re-listen. So much important material in there for y'all. And DMs, always open. Drop a DM for us in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to, let us know. As always, y'all, be kind to yourselves, be kind to those around you. Thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 